So Luke 4 is our reading, Luke chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 14, uh, sorry, verse 24 through to 30. And he said, Verily I sound to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, save, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill wherein their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. You may be seated. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful, so thankful for our Lord, uh, who you are, Lord. Thank you for being our Saviour. Lord, we're so grateful uh, to be here, Lord, uh, around your word, gathered together. Uh, I do pray, Lord, as we uh, see what you have for us in your word this morning, uh, that we'll be attentive to uh, hear and uh, take heed uh, to your word, not only to hear it, but to live it out, Heavenly Father, and to uphold uh, your righteousness, Heavenly Father. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we have a passage uh, with Jesus early in his ministry. You know, he'd been travelling throughout the, the region of Gal Galilee in Israel. And he was teaching and preaching in their synagogues. And uh, word got around about Jesus. And uh, he was not met with any resistance at this stage. And uh, we see it there in verses uh, 14 and 15 of Luke chapter 4. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame uh, of him throughout all the region, around about and he taught in the synagogues being, being glorified of all. And then we see in verse 16 uh, Jesus came into the town of uh, Nazareth which is a town in the region of Galilee and uh, Nazareth was the town where Jesus uh, grew up. It was uh, the town where he lived most of his life and uh, the people there they would have been familiar with Jesus being from that area and we see and read that in verse 16 and 17 and he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written so we see here Jesus you know he knew the scriptures very well uh, he was given the book of Isaiah to stand up and, and to read from and as his custom was it says here uh, so it's probably not the first time that he stood uh, up to read the scriptures here in this synagogue and uh, because he grew up in this town he would have been uh, would have been his local synagogue so Jesus went straight to the passage that he was that he knew was speaking about himself and uh, he, he read it out and he sat back down so we see uh, what he read there in verses 18 to 20. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me 
to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. So you can imagine all the people, you know, they're looking at him, you know, and they're waiting to, to see what he has to say about this passage. And he just replies, look at that in verse 21. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So Jesus here is proclaiming to the people that it is he himself that, is to, that has come to fulfill this prophecy, which is found in the book of Isaiah, and that's in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. But the people, no doubt, even some of them knowing the passage themselves, looked on in amazement. And uh, we see it there in verse 22. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? So you can see that they were trying to make sense you know, of what Jesus was saying. You know, these gracious words uh, from the book of Isaiah, you know, preaching the good news to the poor, uh, healing the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, uh, setting people at liberty who are bruised. You know, they are, these are gracious words. But Jesus knew the hearts of these people and also knew that they would not accept the true meaning of what these words meant. And that being that Jesus was the promised Messiah to save them from their sins. So these people didn't see uh, that sin was actually their problem. You know, their, their Messiah was to save them from all their other problems, you know, even the oppression of their enemies. So Israel at large at this stage in their history, uh, they had strayed so far from the Lord that most of them would not even recognise uh, what Jesus meant by these gracious words. You know, they, they missed the fact that the law of Moses could not even make a person righteous, but only pictured and pointed to the one that can make one righteous, that being Jesus Christ. And now there were some that understood these things, of course, in Israel. And now they were looking for the true Messiah and, and some did recognise Jesus when he came. But Israel at large, with its leadership, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, all these types, uh, had all adopted this pride through the law of Moses. You know, thinking that salvation is through the law of Moses, not understanding that it was just a schoolmaster to bring them under Christ. And that's the only one that can save somebody. And Jesus knew this was their attitude. He knew this self-righteousness would blind them from recognising him. John 1, verse 10 to 13 says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Look at this. Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, the Jews at large, at this stage, uh, they had their own righteousness. You know, one was their bloodline. You know, but the Bible says, not of blood. You know, the other was their law-keeping. You know, the will of the flesh, but the Bible says it's not the will of the flesh. You know, you cannot be saved by your own flesh. You know, these, these ways are man-made ways to be saved uh, from sin. But righteousness 
is not of the will of man, but it's of God. So God says how a man is made righteous. And it is to as many as receive Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to save them from their sins. To them gave he power or the privilege or the right to become the sons of God. And who are those people? Well, it says it there. To them gave he power or the privilege or the right to become the sons of God. It says, to them that believe on his name. And that means anyone, Jew or Gentile, anyone that believes on Jesus Christ. So back in our passage in verse 23, Jesus, knowing uh, all things, he predicts uh, these Jews and their way of thinking and, and what they would say. And he calls it out with this proverb that would have been a known proverb uh, of the day. And you see it there in verse 23. And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. So the proverb basically means, you know, what good is a physician, you know, that can heal others but not himself. You know, we've, we've, we've kind of, we've healed that you, uh, we've heard that you heal those people in Capernaum, or well, why don't you do it here in, in, our, in, in your own hometown? You know, but Jesus knew their unbelief. You know, even though he was standing and he was reading uh, in the synagogue, proclaiming to them, <coughs> excuse me, from the book of Isaiah, that the very time that was described is being fulfilled in their ears, they would still reject him as their Messiah, blinded by their own self-righteousness. You know, it's not that uh, Jesus was uh, accepted in Capernaum either. You know, it was just that he was even less accepted in his, own, in, his, in his hometown. Matthew chapter 11, verses 23 to 24, we see Jesus saying, And thou Capernaum, which are exalted under heaven, thou shalt be brought down to hell, for if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for, than for thee. And that was Capernaum. So Jesus knew that he would not be accepted by most in Israel, let alone his own town. Matthew 15, 58 says that another time when he came into his own country, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. See, Jesus, he knows the hearts of people. He knows uh, what people are thinking. He knows whether a person is being genuine or not. Jesus also said in Matthew 16, 4, he says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. But even when, when they saw Jesus' miracles, they didn't believe, but they just wanted more, more of the same. So in John chapter 6, after Jesus just said, uh, fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, it still wasn't enough for them. You know, they wanted, all they wanted was the, uh, the same power that he had. In verse 28, John chapter 6, it says, Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered them and said, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. But that was just never enough. That was never enough. They said, Therefore, therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? But Jesus, he just fed 5,000 people with barely enough food to, to feed a small family. And yet they still don't believe his message. So in our passage today, Jesus says to them in verse 24, Luke 4 verse 24, and he said, 
Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. See, all the prophets that were raised up in Israel uh, to tell them to turn back to the Lord were rejected by Israel. Now they were treated harshly, uh, persecuted and even killed. They all preached repentance all the way out to Jesus Christ. They preached repentance. Even John the Baptist came preaching repentance. Matthew 3, verses 1 to 3, we read, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. In Acts chapter 7, verses 50 to 52, uh, we see a man named Stephen who was full of the Holy Ghost. He summed it up well uh, when he stood before all the leaders and uh, just before they stoned him to death. He said this to them, he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. He says, Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one of whom ye have now, uh, who ye have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. Now they would have been thinking, what do you mean have not kept it? You know, trusting in their circumcision of their flesh, you know, trusting in their bloodlines and and all their ordinances, and you know, there's nothing wrong, mind you, with their ordinances or what the, what the Lord asked them to do. The problem uh, wasn't that, you know, the problem was with the why. The problem was with the why they do these things. You know, they may have thought that they were keeping the law, but with a heart of self-righteousness, they'd missed it. They'd missed it. You know, they were uncircumcised in heart and ears. You know, their motives were wrong. And what they did to Stephen just affirmed what Jesus already knew, what was in their hearts. And he already knew this back in Luke chapter 4, at the start of his ministry. You know, we can look at all this and say, oh, you know, those, those pesky Israelites, you know, how could they be so stupid and end up in this situation? But I want to suggest that even in, in, in Christendom, many can end up in that situation too. And uh, you might say, how? How? Now, let's think about the Israelites. You know, they were, they were looking for their Messiah, even as they're still looking for their Messiah uh, today. You know, they're, they're, looking for, they're still looking for Christ, the Redeemer, to come. You know, they still have the same Old Testament that we have here in our Bibles. The same words. So why can't they see Christ, the Messiah, in their own scriptures? It's not that they can't see him in their own scriptures. It's their own scriptures that speak of the Messiah. But the Messiah that has come doesn't fit what they want him to be. And it's because of their unrepentance. And it is like a veil over their eyes. And they've invented their own righteousness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, we read, And not as Moses, which put, put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, 
which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So there's the reason they can't see it. They need to turn to the Lord. Repent, and the veil will be taken away that they can see the real Jesus, even in their own scriptures. So you cannot have your own righteousness and have the Christ of the Bible. You'll end up like the Jews dismissing the very Christ that is written down before you and you're looking for another. Now we must come to, come to Christ the way God wants us to come or we don't come at all, even though it may appear with our lips that we're following Jesus. Now even doing some good works will not excuse our iniquity if our heart is not right towards the Lord. You know, if we're excusing blatant sin in our lives, thinking that you know, our good works like church attendance, you know, being a nice bloke, uh, going to Bible studies and so forth, is just going to outweigh the iniquity, then we haven't come to the Jesus of the Bible. You know, we've come in our own righteousness and invented our own, and that's not the way he wants us to come. See, Jesus stated it very plainly in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. He says, not everyone, <coughs> excuse me, that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, for many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But look at this, therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. See, God's not looking for a people that want to come to him their own way. You know, yes, he's looking for uh, uh, people that only come through Jesus Christ, of course. But it also matters to God what attitude you have when you come. You know, he's looking for people that are sick of building on the sand. They've had enough of building on the sand. People that are ready to forsake their own way and follow the way of Jesus Christ and build upon the rock. You know, we can't ignore what Jesus wants us to do. You know, of course, not for salvation, but because of salvation. You know, we don't want to end up like these people sitting in the synagogue at Nazareth. You know, in our passage today, Jesus said to the Israelites in the synagogue there, he says in verse 25, he says, But I tell you of a truth, Many widows were in Israel in the day of Elias when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land but under none of them was Elias sent save under Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. So if we turn in our Bibles, if you want to turn there to 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to see this account here in the scriptures. Now the wicked king of Israel, his uh, name was Ahab and he had led, led the Israelites uh, into wickedness and idolatry. You know, so the Lord 
he brought a famine upon the land and you know what we need to understand is that um, <coughs> sometimes you know I'm not saying that everyone in Israel had forsaken the Lord but you know we have to understand is that sometimes we may have to endure some hardship from the Lord even if we are not the direct reason uh, you know that the Lord has brought that hardship you know, so we, we see it happen here you know we see Elijah uh, he was a faithful man of God and yet he had to face some hardship uh, here because of this famine and uh, but we also have this widow here in this passage uh, who was also facing some hardship because of the famine you know but uh, that doesn't mean that they were committing uh, idolatry you know wicked idolatry like the others you know the difference is that the Lord is going to help you endure the hardship and get you through it you know if you're faithful and, and we're going to see that here but look at verse 8 and uh, the word of the Lord came unto him, that's Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephah, which belong, belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. See, the Lord, he could have sent uh, Elijah anywhere in Israel. But the Lord sent him to Zidon, a Gentile city, you know, to a widow woman. So think of the Jews here in Nazareth, they're listening to this. They're being reminded of this. You know? But this woman, uh, she knew of the God of Israel. Uh, she'd been through some hardship. You know, her husband was dead. Uh, she was left with her son. Uh, she was in this famine. You know, so times you know, would have been very tough. You know, but the Lord has pity on, on, on such people like this. You know? And I'm sure this passage uh, tells us why. We'll see that here. You know, what was different about this woman uh, you know, we have to think about what was different you know, about this woman that the Lord would send Elijah her way. So look at verse, 20, uh, verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, so see that? The first thing that we see here is that uh, this woman, she had a heart for others, you know, even, even Elijah, uh, the Israelite. You know, she, she was humble in spirit. You know, she didn't care what nationality he was you know, or whether he was a Jew or a Gentile. She just went to, to fetch the water for him. And he called to her and he said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And uh, look at verse 12, and he said, As the Lord, uh, and she, sorry, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, as the Lord thy God liveth. So she knew of the Lord. She knew of his Lord. Now, perhaps she did not know uh, the Lord, but she knew of his Lord. And she says, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel. And a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I might go and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. That's how bad this famine was. You know, all she had was left, left was a couple of bits of bread, one for her, one for her son, and not even enough ingredients to make another one. That's how bad things were. Look at verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, 
neither shall the crews uh, of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went, and she did according to the saying of Elijah. So here we, here, here we see that she's also a doer, this lady. You know, she didn't waste any time. She just believed the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And, uh, and, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the crews of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, that's the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. So here we see that her son, <coughs> instead of dying of starvation, along with her, now he dies of sickness. Now she's, she's already lost a husband, this lady, and now she loses a son. But I want you to notice something that she realised and uh, something that had obviously been uh, plaguing her. Uh, verse 18, And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance? and to slay my son. So she knew. She knew she was an unworthy sinner before the God of Israel. And I believe this is why Elijah was sent to her. Because look at verse 19. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom, and he carried him up into a loft where he abode, and he laid him upon his own bed, and he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, Hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, Thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, look at this, Now, now, now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. So you can imagine the Jews in the temple at Nazareth where Jesus reminded them of this account of the Lord looking after this Gentile woman you know, and sending Elijah her way that she'd be led to the truth. You know, all the while leaving Israel to deal with the famine because of their idolatry. You know, see, God isn't, he's, looking, he's not looking for just a show of religion, but he's looking for a true, genuine, humble heart that wants to follow him. You know, and, and yes, the outward will show, of course, but only because of what is going on inwardly in the heart. You know, but Jesus doesn't stop there. Look back in our passage at, at verse 27, Luke chapter 4, verse 27. And he goes on to say this, and he says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, that's Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. So if we turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, we'll have a look at this account. So the Lord, he's, he's not looking for a person. Uh, sorry, the Lord is looking for a person that realises that they cannot 
come to the Lord their own way. Now, even a proud man who may be seeking the Lord, you know, if he's coming to the right God, even, even Jesus Christ, if he's coming to the right God, he's coming to, uh, through Jesus Christ, all the right avenues, but if his heart is lifted up and he wants to mix his old ways of doing things with the way, uh, God's ways of doing things, then well, it won't work. It still won't work. And the, and the Lord, the Bible says, is no respecter of persons. So it doesn't matter if you are an Israelite with leprosy, you still had to come to the Lord for cleansing with the right attitude, you know, which, which is a, a heart of gratitude and humility. To be, to be cleansed wasn't a right uh, to the proud, it was a, a, it was a gift to the humble. And uh, here in this passage, you know, what we have here is another Gentile, uh, a Syrian uh, named Naaman, and he's the, it says he's the captain of the army of Syria and a, a mighty man of valour at the start of uh, the chapter there. You know, but he had leprosy. You know, he was sent uh, by the Gentile king of Syria uh, to, the king, uh, to the king of Israel to be healed of his leprosy. You know, Je Jehoram, uh, this is Ahab's son, he was now the king in Israel. He wasn't uh, as wicked as his dad, uh, but he was still a wicked king. And, uh, but you see here, all he could do is complain about Naaman uh, being sent to him. We see that in verse 7 of 2 Kings chapter 5, and it came to pass, <coughs> excuse me, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. You know, this should have been a really good opportunity, uh, you know, for uh, Israel to show the mercy of God. But Israel at this stage was so caught up in their self-righteousness and idolatry that they, they weren't even seeking to live for the Lord uh, you know, or even to be a witness for him. You know, it's just a, a thin veneer that the Lord could see straight through. But look at verse 8. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. This is what the king should have been saying. So Elisha, he had a heart of God. You know, and uh, what he did is he pounced on this opportunity. He understood what his role as an Israelite was. And uh, it was the rest of them that had kind of lost their way in their, in their self-indulgences. And, and uh, look at verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha, and Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. See, Elisha, uh, uh, he had a heart, heart of the Lord. But you see what's happening here, and uh, you know, I believe he knew something because he was close to the Lord. He knew something about this man. We're going to see something here, but look at verse 11 and 12. But Naaman was wroth and went away. Sorry, verse, yeah, verse 11. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the, lep the, 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 the leper. 
Are not Abana and uh, Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. You see, many people, they are offended at God's ways. You know, they want the remedy, but they don't want to do it God's way. You know, they want the cleansing of the water, but they, don't, but they still want the water of their own life. You know, they don't like the idea of being, they, they like the idea of being cleansed, but they don't want to, 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 to forsake the waters of Syria. It amazes me, but it's not surprising because... Uh, before I was saved, I was no different, but uh, how that many professing Christians you run into it, even places like Hamilton, when we're handing out gospel tracts down there, and you know, they, they're on their way to the pub you know, for a night out. You know, when you look at that place, there's brawls inside. Sometimes they spill out onto the street, and uh, you know, there's alcohol pouring from the, trap, the, the, the taps in there. There's uh, reveling, you know, drunkenness. There's scantily dressed men and women going in and out of there, there's swearing, there's blaspheming, there's ungodly music and dancing, there's poker machines and betting and, and yet these people say that they've come to Christ and yet they're heading in there to enjoy a night out and you try to warn them that you can only come to Christ one way and that's not the way. And some of them walk away in a rage. They walk away in a rage. But thank the Lord here in this case, Naaman, he listened to somebody and he humbled himself and realised that he can only come one way. Look at verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. See, the Lord doesn't require much. He's not asking for something so hard to do. He wants people to uh, believe on him and people that just want to do what he says. Wash and be clean. The way he wants them to be. Not in the rivers of Syria. Now they're, they're the ones that will be cleansed from their sin. Look at verse 14. And then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, look at this, now, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore, therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. <coughs> Excuse me. So just like the Gentile woman who said, Now, by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Now we have here Naaman the Gentile saying, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So all the while there were many lepers in Israel, but only Naaman the Syrian, the, the Syrian was cleansed. Now the Jordan River... It was, it was right there for all the lepers in Israel. They didn't see their need. They may uh, have had leprosy all over them. They may have seen that, but they were not coming with the right attitude. Now, the account of Naaman, it was similar to what we see uh, Jesus talking uh, about in Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32, uh, when he told this parable. 
Jesus says, What think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first, and he said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. Look at this. But afterward, he repented, and he went. And he came to the second, and he said, Likewise. And he answered, and he said, Look at this. I go, sir. And he went not. So whether, whether of them, them two or twain did the will of the Father? Well, they say unto him, The first. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. Believe him. <coughs> See, the first done, uh, sorry, the first son done the will of the father. When he changed his mind and went. Even though he said at one stage with his lips, I will not. And with the second son, he said, I go, sir. See, that he even called his father, sir. Now, that sounds respectful, doesn't it? But he didn't go. He didn't go. It was all just fluff. So what's the difference? Well, one repented and the other one didn't. That's the difference. But when you think about it, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they still went out to John the Baptist to be, to be baptised, didn't they? But what was the difference between them and the publicans and the harlots? Well, the publicans and the harlots went out truly repenting. But the Pharisees went out for a show of repentance. That's why they went out to John the Baptist. But at their core, there was no repentance at all. So you can imagine how the Jews in the synagogue, uh, you know, feeling at Nazareth, and they'd be reminded of these things, you know, of Naaman the Syrian and, and, and the Gentile uh, widowed woman. You know. I mean, they could have repented. They could have repented. But they were enraged. Turn back to Luke chapter 4 and look at their reaction in verse 28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill where, whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. See, self-righteousness and thinking that they could come to God on their own terms while ignoring God's way was the downfall of many in Israel. You know, though uh, they thought that they were right with God, but they weren't. They couldn't see that they were sick. See, the Lord's looking for people that realise that they need him. And people that will come to the way that he says that they need to come. And that's with a heart of repentance. Look at verse 31 of Luke chapter 5. Just turn over to one chapter there, Luke chapter 5. Look at verse 31. Jesus here is answering the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees. You know, these are the ones that went about to establish their own righteousness. You know, that they thought that they were right with God. You know, they thought that they were whole. 
Jesus answering and said unto them in verse 31, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. <coughs> so all their works could only prove is that they were hypocrites. Living like this over here and yet living like this over there, idolatry over here or going to the synagogue over there saying this over here and yet doing this over there. In Matthew 3 verses 1 to 9, John the Baptist called them out on this. Matthew 3, he says verse 1, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, look at this, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair with a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Look at this. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all in Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan. Look at this. Confessing their sins. But look at this one in verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come out to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Look at this, verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruit meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to be our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children under Abraham. See, they were still proud in heart. They were not confessing their sins in their heart. Uh, their pride hadn't changed. Now, like Naaman at first, you know, they wanted the benefits. They still wanted to the waters of Syria. See, again, we can't look at Israel and say, you know, silly Israel, look at them. You know, how, how did they end up in this predicament? Silly Israel. You know, the Bible says don't be high-minded. You know, there's always still a faithful remnant of people in Israel that didn't get caught up uh, in all the idolatry. You know, we've got to understand that, yes, the Lord, he turned his attention from Israel to the Gentiles, and today the church is made up of uh, predominantly Gentile believers and uh, fewer, fewer Jewish believers. You know, as before in the synagogues, you know, it used to be the other way around. You know, but the root is still the same. The root is still the same. It has not changed. And turn to Romans chapter 11, and we'll see this. <coughs> Romans chapter 11, and we'll look at verse 13. It says, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. This is the apostle Paul. He says, I magnify, I magnify mine office if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are of my flesh. He's talking about the Israelites there. He says, and might save some of them. He says, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and the root be holy, so are the branches. Verse 17, And if some of the branches be broken off, 
and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in amongst them, and with them partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt then say, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. That is true, but look at this. Well, because of unbelief thou art broken off, and thou standest by faith. But be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, he also spared not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. Look at this. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. See, not all Israel... Uh, with spiritual Israel. You know, there are many in the church, or in, if you want to call it Christendom as a whole, who are not in the church. That is to say, the spiritual church, or the, or the body of Christ. And we have a stern warning here in uh, Romans chapter 11 that what happened to the Israelites can also happen to the Gentiles. Now, God is not a respecter of persons. You know, it's your heart of repentance and coming to the Lord his way that the Lord is concerned about. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. So in Acts chapter 10, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, the Apostle Peter, he was uh, sent to Cornelius and he was a Roman centurion. And uh, he was a Gentile. And uh, Peter was sent to this man to hear the word of God. In verse 2, Acts chapter 10, uh, the Bible describes him as a, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. You know, so here we have, he, he was a Gentile that believed uh, in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So he was a true worshipper of God uh, that I believe that the Lord knew would accept Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah and Saviour, you know, once that he would hear the message uh, of Jesus Christ, he would just, I believe, he would just lap it up. Verse 3, we read, he saw a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. See, this guy, he had a heart for God. And it's just not any God. It was the right God. You know, he, was, he was visited here by a right angel coming from the right God. You know, it, it wasn't the God of Islam. You know, or, or Hinduism or, or something like that. You know, he just hadn't been informed about Jesus yet. You've got to understand the times here. <laughs> from verse 34 of Acts chapter 10, we see the words that uh, Peter spoke to Cornelius once he realised uh, what really matters to God. We'll see it here. Verse 34, uh, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, and we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead. Look at this in verse 43. To him gave all the prophets witnesses that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. So while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word of God. Well, what words? Well, the words that he just said, that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall have remission of sins. <coughs> Excuse me. So you see that Cornelius and them that with him, they believed right then and there, and they were saved. Now we've got to understand the transitional time here in this passage, you know, uh, of the true worshipper of God in the Old Testament, whether they were a Jew or a Gentile, hearing the news of Jesus Christ for the first time. You know, and that's what we have here in Cornelius, he is a Gentile believer. So today, you know, there's, there's nobody living this side of the cross uh, of Jesus Christ that was born the other side of the cross of Jesus, like Cornelius. You know, so this is a little unique with what happened here with Cornelius, this, this transitioning from the old covenant to the new. It can't happen these days. You know, today, the old covenant, it's, it's long gone. You know, what I'm saying here is that you can't be a, a, a worshipper of the God of Islam and still be a, a, a worshipper of the God of the Bible. You know, even if you're ignorant of Jesus, that, that can't happen. You know, that's not what's happening here with Cornelius. In our day, you know, there's only one way to transition uh, to Jesus Christ. You, you go from believing false gods or no God at all to believing in Jesus Christ to have the remission of sins. Now, that's the only way it can happen nowadays. But what, I, what I, but what I want to point out is that the principle here in this passage does not change with what God is looking for in believers of Jesus Christ. But in every nation that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. You know, a true worshipper believes God. He fears God. And he worketh righteousness. Now he's not saved by his own righteousness. Now we've got to make that clear. But he has a heart that loves the Lord and wants to live for him and it's going to show in his life. Now unfortunately today uh, that word righteousness, it's almost a dirty word. Now, but there's nothing wrong, wrong with wanting to live a righteous life the way God says we should live. Now, Proverbs 11 verse 18 says, the, the wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. Proverbs 12, 17 says, He that speaketh truth shall forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. Proverbs 15, 9 says, look at this one. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he that loveth him, but he, but sorry, but he loveth him that follow, followeth after righteousness. Proverbs 21, 21. He that followeth after righteousness, if you've got a heart for righteousness and mercy 
find of life, righteousness and honour. You got a heart for righteousness and you're seeking after the truth, you're going to hear the word of God and you'll receive the righteousness of God. But that's the only way you can come to the Lord. You can't come to the Lord wanting to you know, continue in your sin and live in your sin and yet want his righteousness. You can't do that. Naaman found that out. 1 John 3, 7 to 8, the Bible says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the heart of the Lord. You know, so people that have come to the Lord become, come, come to the Lord because he is righteous. And they want to receive the righteousness of God, but they want to live righteous lives. They don't want to sin. Do you love righteousness? Do you love it? Do you love the Lord? Do you hate sin? Do you run from it? Even your own sin? Or do you embrace it? And you just live in it, you know, with a with a little thin veneer of righteousness. Do you love the Jesus of the Bible and His righteousness? Because if you don't, that's a different Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. Israel, the Jews, have Christ in their Old Testament. He's there. They can't see Him because they haven't repented. I can't see the Christ of the Bible. Have you invented your own righteousness like the people in the synagogue at Nazareth in Luke chapter 4? So we need to take heed to the warnings of Romans chapter 11. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest also he spare not thee. Behold therefore the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity but towards thee goodness if thou continue in his goodness otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. I mean it's there, it's written down in the Bible. We'll take heed to that. It's written to the Gentiles. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a Jew. And so we, let's aspire in our day to be like the remnant in Israel. And even those Gentiles, like Cornelius, you know, that refused to go down that road. And the Lord sent Peter to that man to hear the word of the Lord, because he knew that he'd lap it up. He had a heart for the Lord. Let's pray.